You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest preaching for us for our revival services. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truths from His Word today. You have access to a hymn book there by you? I'm going to take a liberty tonight, Pastor. I feel like this is what the Lord wants. I'm not going to sing it by myself. 215, I believe it is. Sweet spirit, all week. Page 215. This goes along with everything that we've heard should be our desire, and this will go along with what uh, the Lord has laid on my heart to close us out tonight. Won't you stand with me, stretch your legs for a minute? You know what uh, you know what open letter style singing is, right? Everybody ought to know what open letter style is. How many of you know what open letter singing is? Open your mouth, let her fly. <laughs> so uh, you don't you don't have to have a master's degree in music. Just sing from your heart tonight. If if this is a reality to you, let's lift this up tonight in honor of our dear Lord. Could we do that? And uh, He hears us. He's among us tonight. And let's sing it to him for his glory and in honor of him. My Jesus, I love thee. Oh. Uh-huh. 
long as thou lendest me bread. And say when the death dew lies cold on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Listen to verse 4. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis and all God's children said, Amen. 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 Wonderful. <clears throat> Wonderful. Thank our dear Lord for His goodness. Well, <clears throat> we've come to the last night. Your kindness overwhelms me. I appreciate this church and your dear pastor more than words can say. Uh, you folks, I said it on Sunday morning, I think, and I'll say it again tonight at the closing of this. Uh, you are a lifeline to us. I know you've been praying. I've had two calls for meetings this week, and uh, that's been a, a rarity. Uh, so I want you to pray the Lord will give me direction and, and help in doing what I feel that I'm called of God to do. Pray for Aaron. Continue. I know you're praying for him. Pray for his continued healing. And uh, the burden that he has on his heart for revival in America. Uh, that is our only hope. Our problems will never be solved in the Oval Office. They'll never be solved in the halls of Congress. Uh, if, if we ever get back on the right track, it'll start in the church. It'll start in assemblies like this, which are, by the way, becoming fewer and fewer. Less of a burden for revival now than I've probably ever seen in, in my lifetime. But it doesn't mean that the Lord's hand is shortened, nor His ear heavy that He cannot hear. Uh, I am resting tonight in God's sovereignty. I'm resting in the fact that He is God all by Himself. He doesn't need my help, but in His graciousness He chooses to allow us to be a part of His work. And... Uh, you know, uh, as we close this meeting out tonight, I want us to, uh, to skip quickly forward. And Ben, don't be ashamed of using your phone wherever you went to. Uh, uh, there you are. Because my iPad went dead on me right as I got in the, up, up here on the stage tonight. And so I had to resort to my phone because I got the same thing on it. So, uh, so I'm in that crowd too. 
But uh, there, there, there's a, uh, an illustration that I want to read you off of that in just a minute so I've got it opened up. I'm not, I'm not checking Facebook when you see me look at that phone. Uh, I'm, I really have a purpose in that. I want you to find your place to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, a wonderful chapter of, of uh, love. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be coming to that in just a moment. Uh, and, and there's a reason why I'm fast-forwarding. Because tonight is our last night, and we've looked at the first three chapters of the Corinthian letter. Uh, the Corinthian believers were spiritual by nature, but they were natural by behavior. Spiritual by nature, but natural by behavior. Uh, they were living out of character. They walked as Corinthians rather than as Christians. And I think that's our problem today. Uh, <clears throat> they were spiritual parasites. The parasite lives off of the life of its host. And without a host, it can't survive. And there are a lot of, I, I, hate, I hate to say it this way, it sounds, it sounds terrible, but it's the truth. There are a lot of spiritual parasites in our day. And uh, they, 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 can't, they can't make it without somebody else doing everything for them. Spiritual babyhood. Uh, one of the marks of a spiritual baby is, you know, a baby plays while big things are happening. Do you ever notice that? A child can be playing in the floor and, and uh, you know, big things are going on and that child is just playing. A, a child acts out the part a lot of times that it's not able to live out. It lives in a pretend world. And a lot of believers are guilty of that. Uh, we have come to the sad day in America when a lot of God's people are not praying people because they want somebody else praying for them. And uh, they don't do the work that God left them here to do because they pay a preacher to do that. And so uh, we can even do that in sending money to a missionary and think because we're sending money on the other side of the globe that, that we don't have any responsibility. And that's not true. Uh, so, uh, all of these things uh, go to, to convict us and, and they go to warn us that we are as guilty as the Corinthians. And Paul was burdened. Now, <clears throat> there's so much that we're skipping over uh, and, and I'm not even going to try to say anything about those chapters that, that go from where we were last night to where we will be tonight. <clears throat> but... Uh, I want us to look at chapter 13, and while you're turned there, I'm, I'm sure your Bible probably right above that, like mine will have, or somewhere on that same page, will have the last verses of chapter 12. Now, sometimes chapter divisions come at an unfortunate place. And uh, the, the, the chapter and verse divisions, of course, we're, we're thankful for them, but we all know that they're not inspired. They were put there by men to help us find our place. And uh, sometimes there will be a division where it causes us to, to, to think like there's a break in the thought there, and, and there isn't. It's a letter. It's a continuing letter. And uh, Paul has just been talking about, about gifts. And, and then in chapter 14, he's going to talk about how those gifts were being perverted. Now, uh, as, as uh, a guest and a visiting preacher... 
Uh, I'm not going to even touch on any of that. I'm going to leave that with, with your pastor who is, is well able to deal with that. And I know, I'm sure that he has in days gone by and will in days to come. But between chapter 12 and chapter 14, dealing with the gifts and the perversion of the gifts, he interjects what we know as chapter 13. And uh, this, this chapter has been read at a lot of functions that have nothing to do whatsoever with the real context of the, of, of the Word. A lot of people want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, and, and they want to thought, think high and lofty platitudes about it and make it sound good. But there's something that Paul wants the Corinthians to get here. And so if we are like the Corinthians then we need it as desperately as they needed it. And, and I think the first, the first prerequisite is that we acknowledge that we are somewhat like the Corinthians. We've allowed this society to permeate our thinking. Now, now I know I'm preaching to the choir that, that you folks, uh, hopefully, and I believe, are, are people who, who pray, you, you love the Lord, you love the church, you, you love the things of God, but if we're, if we're desperately honest with ourselves, we're failing. We're failing. Somewhere we're not getting the message out in the proper way. We're, we're, we're making con, converts sometimes of our own doing. We get people to pray a prayer and it satisfies our ego and we feel like that we've accomplished the work. And, and then we go off and we brag about our converts like an old hen that thinks she's She's clucking like she's laid a meteoroid, you know. And, and, we, and we want the, the praise, we, we want the accolades of, of the conversions. And, and, and it was a glad day for me years ago, Pastor, when the Lord showed me that I didn't have to keep a record. I don't have to keep a record. Uh, it, it's not up to me tonight to, to make anybody here come forward and profess your faith in Christ. I have a firm conviction tonight, if the Holy Spirit is not able to do that, I certainly can't do it. But He is able. He is able. He is certainly able to accomplish what He desires to accomplish tonight. And so it's my lot and every preacher's lot to just be faithful messengers of the gospel. And as we preach the gospel, the Lord does the work and draws unto Himself His own. Now, <clears throat> what, what I'm concerned about, uh, as, as a preacher, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, what are you? I said, what do you mean? And they said, are you a pastor? Are you a missionary? Are you an evangelist? What are you? I said, yes, yes, and yes, I hope. I mean, I hope. I, and I don't say that braggingly. I, I think that's what every child of God really ought to be. Some of us have a different calling on our life, but we're, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, aren't we? That's scriptural, isn't it? And, and so... Uh, I'm not looking for a, a niche or a, or, or a groove to get into. You know, I just, I, just, I want to be a servant of God. One, one old author who's been in heaven a long time, a great writer, a great preacher by the name of Vance Havner, uh, an old Southern Baptist evangelist of days gone by, he could say more in, in, in one page than a lot of writers could say in a chapter. And he said, uh, he said, if it could be true of me, he said, I would like my epitaph to be just a Christian. Just a Christian. That says a lot, doesn't it? We don't need a whole lot inscribed on our 
slate of marble, but if it could be true of us to say, just a Christian. Now, in, in living the Christian life, where are we failing the most? If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know what, you got a lot of things going on here. You, you know, your blood sugar's up, uh, arthritis is working on you. you. To me, he'd say you need to lose a little weight or a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, you need to do this. I, I went to the VA uh, a year or so ago, and they were checking me over, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> kind of offended me a little bit. The, the, the young lady there said, uh, Mr. Kaufman, would you like to talk to our dietitian? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> and uh, she, she looked at me, and she said, are you sure you don't want to talk? I said, no, ma'am, I don't want to talk to your dietitian. I said, I know what I ought to do. I just have trouble doing it. <laughs> and I was honest. And I said, hey, I know, I know some things I ought to eat and some things I ought not to eat, but I don't always do well with that. And I said, I said I'm not trying to be offensive, but the dietitian doesn't have to tell me that. I know that already. It's not a matter of me knowing. It's a matter of me doing. Isn't that true of our Christian life? It's not a matter of things that we don't know. It's a matter of how well we're doing with the things that we do know. It's not that we need some new thing. An old preacher said years ago, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. There's nothing original. Vance Abner said he started out to be the original. He wanted to be original or nothing. And he said he ended up being the original nothing. And that's what I am. Uh, and I appreciate the kind remarks and and, and you were talking about maybe things that, that have stuck with you. Somebody said years ago, said that if you're ever going to be quoted, you're going to have to quote a lot of people. And, and for what that's worth, for any preacher here or any young person going into ministry, you're going to have to read a lot. You're going to have to study a lot. You're going to have to pray a lot. And you have to read after men that will feed your soul. And when you read after those men that feed your soul, some of that will stick with you and it will come out in your preaching. And so nobody's preaching is totally original. Nobody. Now, we shouldn't go to the Internet to get our message, and then we preach somebody else's message word for word. But we should always be coming from a lot of sources, but our main source has got to be the Word of God. And uh, I, I forgot the old preacher that said it one time, but he said, uh, he, he said uh, I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. Now, I hope you're country enough to understand what he's saying. He said, I get a lot of, I get a lot of influx, I get a lot of resources, but he said, I... I get, I get it from God eventually, and all of this comes out. So th this is where we are tonight. I know what I ought to do most of the time as a believer. I just don't always do well with it. I shared with a brother last night the WWJD thing, and I, th I think I've probably shared this year before. Uh, what Would Jesus Do? And that was a wonderful book uh, that was written back in the late 1800s, and uh, uh, the town, a little church there decided that, that, and I won't go into detail about the book, but they decided that they were going to, for a period of a year, I think, try to make every decision based on what would Jesus do. And it follows the, the lives of four or five different people, the storyline does. But the problem for me is I don't always want to do what Jesus would do. And I have an idea you don't either. We can come together here as a church and say, I just, want to, I just want to do what Jesus wants to do. But when you're under the fire of temptation or trial or doubt or fear or peer pressure, you don't always want to do what Jesus would do. You want to do what you want to do. Now, that's true of every one of us to some extent, more for some of us than others. 
So, so that's, that's, I'm just being honest, that doesn't work for me. To look at Jesus as my example and say, boy, I need to be like Jesus. That, that, that's, like, that's like me looking at a math equation and saying, I want to be like Einstein. It doesn't matter how much I want to be like Einstein, I'm never going to have Einstein's brain. I mean, I can write down E equals MC squared, but that's about as much as I know about the theory of relativity. And, and I know what Jesus proposes. I know what his life was. But for me to, to live that life is totally as impossible as it was for me to become a Christian to begin with. I can't anymore live the Christian life than I could have saved myself. It took God's amazing grace. It took the imparted life of Christ given to me by the grace of God. And Christ now lives in me and he desires to do his work through me just as he does you. So it's not up to me now to try and endeavor to live the Christian life. It's up to me to get out of the way and allow the Lord Jesus to live his life through me. It's up to me to yield. So I'm saying all of that to lead to chapter 13. Chapter 12 Let's, let's see what he says in verse 29. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now Paul's talked about gifts. The church in Corinth had gotten caught up especially with this thing of tongues. And it had become a prideful thing to them. They really thought that they were uh, speaking in tongues and that was something to be desired and that was something that everybody ought to do if they had any whatsoever kind of touch with God, they ought to be speaking in tongues. And so Paul is very carefully now trying to dissect the problem. He said in verse 25, I don't want there to be any schism in the body, and no split, no severance, no splintering of the body. And he said, you, you ought to covet the best gifts. And he's saying in there that tongues is not that. It's not the best gift. The Corinthians were thinking that it was. They were making it into something that it wasn't. And, and he said, you ought, to, you ought to want the best gifts. But he said, I'm going to show you a better way. Now tonight in leaving you on this last night of this meeting, as we've studied the Corinthians, let's look at the better way. Chapter 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now we all know tonight that charity in our day does not come across like it did in the days when this was written. And when the translation used charity, we think, when we think, when modern society today thinks of charity, what do we think of? We think of giving to charitable contributions. We think of giving to places like the Salvation Army, or we think of, of some kind of charitable thing. And we know tonight as believers that this word that is translated as charity is the Greek word agape. It was the highest word given for love. It's not phileo, it's not a brotherly love. It's not eros, which was not even used in the New Testament. It was so mistaken and it was so in the gutter that they didn't even use it. Philadelphia comes to us, the city of brotherly love. But agape goes beyond that. And the word here that we are reading as charity, and I want you to get this in your thinking as we read through this, is love 
that is above and beyond human ability. So he says, if I have the ability to speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and if, if I don't have charity or this kind of love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity, now he's told what it won't do for you, but now he begins to tell you what it is. It suffers long. It's kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, but we prophesy, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Father, speak in these few moments tonight to our hearts. Convict, convince of sin. Move, Lord, those of us tonight that are redeemed to a place, Lord, of true worship and availability. Lord, if there's one under the sound of my voice tonight who does not know Christ Jesus as Savior, I pray this would be the glad hour, Lord, that you will invade their heart and their mind and their thinking and capture them tonight, Lord, by your grace and draw them in with the cords of love for the kingdom's sake and for the great name of our Lord Jesus' sake and for your glory, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I think you know that we could not do justice to this chapter if we took every verse and tried to make a sermon out of every verse. But as I've been thinking about that uh, for the last few days and then especially this afternoon, today, uh, I realize what, what failings there are in my own heart when it comes to Christian love. Uh, this may be a feeble expression of it, but the Lord spoke to my heart. Some of you will think this is maybe foolish, but it spoke to my heart, and it was a convicting thing some time back. And I think this is all of our nature. Uh, I was in traffic somewhere, and a long line of traffic in front of me, and, and everybody here that drives has been in this situation sometime. And there was a car at an intersection or at a, at a place of business waiting to pull out into traffic. And so I was feeling generous that day, and uh, so, so I stop, and I let the traffic move on up a little bit, and, and I motion the guy out. Now, what did I expect in return for that? I was looking for the wave. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Guy just pulled out. Went on down the road, just totally ignored me. And there was something kind of welled up in me. A little righteous indignation, I guess. A little pride. 
little, little, little ignorance on my part. Now, now listen. Here I am sitting there, and this is my thinking. I thought, you know what? If I had that to do over, you'd sit there, buddy. <laughs> if I had it to do over, you'd just sit. Now, that's when the Holy Spirit convicted me. Soon as that thought went through my mind, now he didn't speak in an audible voice, but you know what the Lord spoke to me about? He said, so the only reason you were being kind was to get the wave, huh? So that's really what it's about, Kaufman. It's about you getting response. Is that what it's about? Is that, is that what your joy rests on? Just because somebody will respond? Now, we all like to get that. Let's be honest. We all, we all look for that. But if we're just doing what we do for the response, then our heart's probably not really in it except for self, is it? We're doing what we do because we want somebody to say, hey, that's a good old boy right there. That guy's all right. He let me out. But what if they don't thank you? What if you hold the door for them and they just walk on and they don't ever say, well, thank you? And you let that ruin your day. You let that rob you of your joy. You know what the problem is? The love of Christ in your heart is not the way it ought to be. Now, I want you to think about that. If Christ did what he did just so he could get good response from us, do you think he would be pleased tonight? The king of glory who stepped down out of glory into a virgin's womb was delivered in a cattle environment, lived among us, went to the cross, and the creatures that he had created nailed him to a tree. And Jesus said, Lord, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's a love that's over our head. That's a love that you can't you can't manufacture that by trying to be like Jesus. You'll never be that way in your own power. You'll never have the ability to love that deeply and that genuinely in your own power. That's going to take Christ living in you and loving through you, and you'll love even when people don't treat you like they ought to. Now, to tell you how serious the situation is, it's not just out there. It's right here. Here's how the enemy works on us. Did you ever have somebody just miss shaking your hand one Sunday morning and before you got home you'd already made up your mind they're mad at you? <laughs> you ever have that happen? I mean just some little silly something. Maybe they speak a word to you and they sound a little cross. And before you get home you've thought that thing through and you've thought it through and you've thought it through and you say, you know what, I, they, there's something bugging them. I don't know what it is. They've not been acting right towards me for a while now. And the next time you come to church, you're looking for something out of them. And God forbid if they were to come to church the next time and have an upset stomach or a bad headache or maybe they've had a bad day and they don't smile like you think they ought to smile. You see, the enemy 
is a great deceiver. And the Bible says that the Corinthians needed love more than they needed anything else. I think there's a danger of us neglecting this part of the Bible in our day because there's a great number of people out there that are saying, well, now God is love. We're not to judge anybody. And they've taken it and they've twisted it and distorted it into something that the Lord never intended for it to be twisted into. But that does not negate the fact that the Corinthians were given this, this particular portion of Scripture because he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. I'm going to show you something better than the gifts. I'm going to show you something better than prophecy, better than healing, better than tongues. I'm going to show you something that's better than anything else that you've ever come across or ever will come across. And it's the love of Christ that lives in you. It's Christ who is love who's working in you and through you. Now, some of you are here tonight and you say, you know what, preacher? You just don't know what's going on in my life and there's people that I can't forgive. Well, People who have been forgiven of much should be great forgivers. And if we recognize tonight what the Lord has forgiven us of, we should be willing to forgive others. Now, I want to read you this thing that I've hopefully got here on this electronic gadget. One of Abraham Lincoln's most outspoken political enemies was a man named Edwin J. Stanton. Stanton called Lincoln a low, cunning clown and the original gorilla. He even said this, quote, It is ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see a gorilla when they could find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. To Lincoln's credit, he never responded to these insults. Yet, when he was elected president, Lincoln chose Stanton to be his secretary of war. When asked why, Lincoln said, because he's the best man. Later, when Lincoln had been assassinated, Stanton stood by the coffin which contained Lincoln's body and said through his tears, There lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Patient love in action won this man over in the end. A man who loved somebody when they didn't deserve it. Easy to love somebody that deserves it. Easy to love somebody that loves you. Easiest thing in the world for me to do is love you guys. I mean, it's evident that you love me, and I can't thank God enough for that. But everybody doesn't love me like you do. But yet I'm mandated in Scripture to love everybody as much as I love you. Now, I want to ask you, how's that working for you? How are you doing with that loving thy neighbor thing? I have an idea tonight that may be the most serious problem that any of us face tonight. Paul, I believe, is saying that that's the most serious thing for the Corinthians to get settled. Don't worry about the gifts. Don't worry about men. Don't worry about Apollos. Don't worry about Cephas. Don't worry about Paul. Get your heart right in love. Now, we can't afford to let this slip away from us just because some people have distorted it. 
We can't afford to bypass this portion of Scripture just because some people have said, you know, well, God is love and we just got to love everybody and everything. That doesn't mean that we love everybody's sin. That doesn't mean that we can, can, can come along beside everybody and say, hey, you're, you're okay, I'm okay, and we're all going to heaven together. That's not what he's talking about at all. But he's talking about loving people even while they're in their sin. It's talking about getting down where people are in the muck and the mire and the filth of the society that we're a part of and showing them Christ. It's about having the compassion of Christ operating through us that people see. Not something that's artificial, not something that's manufactured, not something that we try to do because it's the Christian thing to do, but it's genuine that Christ actually is living in me. And we all know that, but has that impacted you lately that in you, Christ lives? And on this planet, you're the only mouth that He's got to use. Individually. He hadn't taken away your personality. When the Lord saved you, He left your personality. All of you have unique personalities and, and little things about you and we're all different and I thank God for that. I think some of that will be carried over into eternity with us for what it's worth. And the Lord uses you in your unique way and He uses somebody else in their unique way but the problem is somebody is gifted in a way that we're not and rather than saying thank God for their gift we get jealous of them. We, we begin to wonder why in the world we can't have what they got. And we begin to try to tear them down because they're doing something that we're not doing. And so then the fight begins and the love is gone. And the power leaves with it. And the lost world, they're the ones that are the casualties along with a lot of weaker brethren sometimes in the church. Because what did Jesus say back over here in John chapter 13? A new commandment in verse 34, I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Lord said, that's my commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now let's be brutally honest tonight. Are most Baptist churches known as Places where people just are so in love with each other. I don't know how it is up here. But down my neck of the woods, most Baptist churches started from a church split. And, 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 and we can't go back and unscramble that egg. We can't go back and undo that. I, 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 re, I was one that started to work down there because of that myself. And it had to do with a lot of things. It had to do with some doctrinal issues. It had to do with a lack of love on a lot of people's part. And it had to do with a lot of things. So it's a complicated issue. But here's the thing. That's not the best way for a church to start. Now we can't go back and undo what's done in the past. You can't and I can't. In my past, you can't in your past. But here's what we can do. We can say, Lord, from now on we want it to be scriptural. We want it to be right. 
We, we want when somebody, when somebody plants a church, we want to see them do it because the love of Christ constrains them to do it. We want them to go out because they're sent out of this work and they're sent out in love and they're sent out in prayer and they're sent out in scriptural security and we're trying to help them to go out a little farther and to reach out a little farther and to bring men and women and boys and girls the gospel of Christ. Now, let me just read through a little of this and I'll be done. Paul hits at the root of all of this. And in that first verse, he says, if I, if I have all of this ability and it's not love, then it's just like, I, I, I don't know whether I'm right in this or not, but I think when it's sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, I think of a tambourine. And you know what? I've, I'm not knocking anybody that uses them. I've just never heard much melody out of a tambourine. I mean, I've never, I mean, you know, my daughter, when she's a little girl, uh, she, she used to, she, she had this little game she'd try to play with me, and, and she'd say, she'd, she'd say, what's this song, Daddy? I'd say, I'm afraid I don't know. Well, what's this one? I'd say, you know, honey, I, I just, I'm afraid I don't know. And she thought by, by you know, but there wasn't any tune there. Wasn't anything for me to grab onto to say, oh yeah, that's amazing grace, or that's oh how I love you, or that what you know, there wasn't anything there. And I think that's the way we become when we lose the compassion of Christ. We're just making noise. People hear what we say, but there's no tune to it. There's 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 no song there. It's just words, it's just noise. And, and you can be doctrinally straight in your theology and you can have everything nailed down scripturally, but if love is not the motivation of what you do, you don't have anything. Nothing. 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 I know the pastor will agree with me. God help us. I've seen mean preachers, haven't you, brother? Mean preachers. And they preach what they preach with bitterness and gall. I've seen mean church members. I've seen people that just don't have any joy. It seems like they're mad at everybody. And you don't want to be around those people. I, I've seen believers that claim to be believers and you see them coming. Man, I want to go down the other aisle in Walmart. I said, I don't want to be caught up with that. I don't want to have to, I don't have to listen. I, you know, they're mad. They're going to be mad when they see me. They're going to be mad while they're talking. And they're going to be mad when they leave. And they're going to be mad tomorrow. And I don't need that. I don't need that. I have enough weaknesses of my own. I don't need that to feed my other weaknesses. And so Paul talks about what it's not. But then he, he says in verse 3, if I, if I give all of my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned... If I do all of that without love, the, the love of Christ, it doesn't profit me anything. And then he says, here's what it does. It suffers long. It's kind. Are you a long-suffering believer? Are you kind? Now, that, that doesn't stipulate who that you've got to be kind to. I just have an idea that means to everybody. I, I just have an idea that that meant me. And that old boy that didn't give me the wave when he pulled out, I have an idea that that meant that I'm supposed to be kind toward him. 
And I wasn't feeling very kind when I'm saying, yeah, Jackrabbit, if I had it to do over, you'd sit back there a while. <laughs> See, I wasn't being, and, and, and listen, I say that to my shame. Because God, is, maybe, you know, as silly as that sounds, God really convicted me and he said, there's a root problem there, Kaufman, in your heart. There's a problem there because you're wanting the accolades of somebody. You're wanting somebody to say, thank you. You're wanting somebody to say, you did good. And he said, if your heart's right, you'll do it, whether anybody ever acknowledges it or not. Do right, whether anybody pats you on the back for it. Serve God, whether anybody knows it. Read your Bible, whether anybody knows it. Pray, whether anybody's aware of it. Do what you ought to do in the sight of God. If nobody in the world notices it, still do it because it's right to do it in the sight of God. And if we have the love of Christ constraining us, we'll do it because of that. And we won't need any more motive. It suffers long. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't want what the other person's got. It doesn't vaunt itself. In other words, it don't put itself out front. It's not puffed up. You know any puffed up Christians? I do. You know any puffed up churches? I do. When the Lord saved you, if you have any knowledge of what salvation is and what justification is by faith, you realize that you were purchased with the blood of Christ. And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So you are a servant of the Lord. We're literally to be slaves of the Lord Jesus. That means that I don't get to get up in the morning and say, well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to talk to that old boy over there. I don't like his looks. I'm going to go over here and I'll, I'll, I'll try to be kind to these people because they're kind to me. But when I get to work in the morning, there's that one guy that rubs me the wrong way. I'm going to avoid him like the plague. He may be the most needy person there. And he may grate on your nerves. Or she might get to you and she might be able to punch the buttons like nobody else. And you just say, I can't handle it anymore. Then you need to say, Lord, would you handle it for me? Lord, you have allowed this person to cross my path by providential means. I'm here, Lord. You know where I am. You know who I am. You know what I am. And, Lord, you know this person. They just get on my last nerve. But, Lord, you've got them in my life. And I want you to operate rather than me operating. I want you, Lord, to speak kindly to them because I'm having a hard time doing it. See, that's not manufactured Christianity. That's the real deal when you just get honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I don't do very good with this person. And you know that, Lord, so I'm asking you to take over. And you'll be amazed at what the Lord can do. I'm not saying that everything will be smooth. I'm not saying everything will be coming up roses. But I'm saying that the, that the Lord will be at work in that. Does not, verse 5 says, behave itself unseemly. Doesn't seek her own. Is not easily provoked. You know anybody that's easily provoked? I know some people you say good morning to them and you got a fight started. <laughs> now, we can't answer for the other person, but we answer to how we respond to the other person. Thinketh no evil. We're all guilty of this. Looking at a person and making up our mind about what's going on in their life when we really don't know. See, this whole thing today in our society of, well, 
you know, only God can judge me. Yeah, and that ought to terrify us. That ought to terrify us. But it doesn't anymore. But, but this whole thing of that you can't judge, you can't judge anybody, that, that doesn't mean that we don't call it like it is. That, that doesn't mean that we overlook sin. It doesn't mean that we just let things slide and we just say, oh, everything's all right and everybody's all right. It doesn't mean that at all. He says it doesn't think evil. Someone said that judgmentalism is this. It's filling in the blanks on the other man's life. Filling in the blanks on the other man's life. In other words, you're putting in there what you think's going on and you don't know what's going on. Well, I think this is what's, I think this is their problem, but you don't know that. I think this is what's wrong with them, but you don't know that. That's being judgmental. Filling the blanks on the other person's life when you don't know what's going on in the other person's life. The Lord helped me years ago. I, I, it used to just irritate me, irritate me, and I don't see anybody here tonight doing this, so don't think I'm preaching at you. If I saw somebody that I thought was sleeping in church, you know. And as a young preacher, I let my pride get to me, and I thought, man alive, come into church and go to sleep. Why would they do that? Until I found out that an old boy had been working double shifts, trying to provide for his family, and yet he cared enough to come to church when he could have stayed home and stayed in the bed, but he came to church and he just couldn't keep his eyes open. And I met another old boy and he had, he had problems with his blood sugar and every time he'd sit down he'd just conk out. And the Lord convicted me. He said, it's not those fellows' fault, it's your fault that you get upset with them because of that. At least they're in the house of God. At least they're here. They're trying thinks no evil. We want to think the worst, don't we? I know, a, I know a preacher that several years ago had to leave his church because a guy started the rumor that he saw him going through town with a, with a strange woman in his vehicle. And sure enough, he did have a strange woman in his vehicle. But the rumors ran so wild and so rampant that he had to resign his church and give up the ministry there. But before he left, he admitted to the to, from the pulpit to the crowd, he said, I, I did have another woman in the vehicle with me. And he said, it was not my wife. He said, it was my sister who flew in from out of town and I had been to the airport to pick her up and I was bringing her back to our house and my wife was at work. That's what gossip does. That's what thinking evil does. That's what thinking the worst does. I've been on my share of the receiving end of people saying, well, Kaufman thinks this or Kaufman done that. But they don't have the gumption to just call me up and say, hey, brother, what about this? What about this? It's easier to run our tongue behind somebody's back. It's easier to get on the gossip wagon. But love doesn't do that. You know, love will look at your children and you'll overlook a lot of faults. You'll overlook a lot of little idiosyncrasies. Love will look at your spouse and you'll say, you know what, I know how they are. After 40 years of marriage, I know this. There's some things about me that get on my wife's last nerve. And there's some things about her that get on my last nerve. But I've learned that that's who she is and she knows that's who I am. And so we're just going to have to deal with it. And we stayed together for one thing, because we love each other. Doesn't mean that we're always the perfect spouse. Doesn't mean that we've got all this marriage thing figured out. I'm still working on it. 
Rejoices not in iniquity. It doesn't get glad when you hear somebody has fallen. It doesn't get glad even when your enemy has fallen. That's the remarkable thing about David. I think it's about 24 times that we've got some record in some fa- manner or fashion that Saul tried to take David's life. And we know that David had him on occasion right at his spear point. And David could have killed him, but he refused to. David said, I'm not going to touch him. I'm going to leave that with God. And, and here's the remarkable thing. When David got word back that Saul had died in battle and his sons had died by his side, he wept. He wept over the man that had tried on at least 24 occasions to murder him. That's the love of God. That's not David love. That's agape love. That's Christ love. That's God weeping over a fallen creation. That's God looking at Dwight Kaufman and saying, that boy is caught up in his sin and he loves it and he's, he's saturated with it. But I am going to reach down where he is in the muck and mire and I'm going to redeem him by grace and I'm going to save him and wash him in the blood of the Lamb and I'm going to let him preach the word of God. That's God's love. And God, knowing, Brother Case, what a mess I'd be even after he saved me. Knowing the doubts and the fears and the, and the temptation and the trial and all of the things that go with being a child of God that you wrestle with just like I do. And God hadn't given up on you yet. God hasn't abandoned you yet. He hasn't thrown you into the abyss yet. That's God's love. And if Christ lives in me, then by the grace of God, we can love that way. Doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things. That, that, that doesn't mean that we're gullible. I'm going to stop there. Doesn't mean that we're gullible when it says we believe all. Doesn't mean we just believe everything that somebody tells us. But we look for the best, not the worst. This is another reason why Corinthian society had permeated the Corinthian church and why our society has permeated us. We look for the worst in people. We look for the worst in fellow believers. We look for the worst in our neighbor. We look for the worst in everybody. that we, We're looking for blemishes. We're looking for faults and flaws. And I have to pray more now than I ever have that I don't get cynical as a believer. If you've lived the Christian life very long, you've been hurt somewhere along the way. You've been mistreated. Somebody has done something to you that they should not, and it's their fault, and you know it. The other person knows it. They won't admit it. They won't come clean about it. But you know what? God didn't say that that's got to take place. He says, you have got to say, Lord Jesus, may I have the love of Christ exhibited in my life. May I not just belch out hatred and bitterness and vileness, Lord, when that person comes up. May I leave them, Lord, with you. Now, this is hard. I think that's why Paul said, this is what you need. He said, you don't need to get caught up in the gifts. You need to recognize that the greatest thing is love. Now, abide of faith, hope, love, greatest of these, love. 
How's your Christian love? How are you doing with it? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. Do we? Do we have that kind of It's easy to love some people, harder to love others. But the Lord says you can't distinguish you. You love them. You love them. Because the Lord says, I've loved you. I've loved you. Let's stand. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for this wonderful time that you've given us together. Thank you, Lord, for an oasis for my own heart. Lord, you seem to always allow me to come to fellowship. Uh, Lord, just when I need to be here. Lord, I've never come here that you've not helped me and spoken to my heart. And I pray, Father, that's been true of others. We pray, Lord, that this week you've been lifted up, that you have reached deep down within us, Lord, and touched us, Lord, in areas where we need to be touched and we need to be convicted and we need to think and we need to pray and we need to search the Scriptures for the things that are troubling us. Lord, this world, this world, as, as, as Corinthian believers fought with the Corinthian lifestyle and it had permeated them, Lord, this world is always clamoring for our attention. And Lord, God help us, sometimes it gets it. Sometimes, Lord, we're more caught up in the ways of the thinking of the society around us than we are in scriptural teaching. Convict us, Lord. Thank you for loving us, Lord, when we're unlovable. Teach us and train us, Lord, to yield ourselves in such a fashion that you might love others through us the way you've loved us. We pray in Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.